welcome to Griff Talks Football. Of course, this is your uh, your boy here, Griff. And as I am recording this, 8.30 at night, uh, prior to Thanksgiving, and also drinking coffee. It's been a busy day thus far. But nevertheless, today again, as we review and preview, it's going to be review of week 12, as well as a preview of week 13. And then also previewing... Uh, my next episode of One Take, talking about Bill O'Brien's one system, uh, not one system, but rather old system versus new system. And when I, when I talk about the system, I talk about his offensive system, not so much his defensive system. His defensive system, by the way, which is being coached by Romeo Cornell, who's won a couple of Super Bowls with New England Patriots. Um, who also helped Bill Belichick kind of formulate that defense back in the early 2000s, who also was a head coach of the Browns for three years, um, as well as a former head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. While he never had great success as a head coach, he is by far a renowned and successful defensive coordinator. And while the Texans have been banged up in the secondary, He's definitely helped the Texans be able to not only force turnovers, but also be one of the league's top best rush defenses. When I say top best, I'm talking about not allowing, uh, not so much allowing so many rushing yards. So definitely defends the run pretty well. But nevertheless, talking about Bill O'Brien's offensive system, which will be episode five of my series one take, which I will release the next day. On the morning of Thanksgiving, I'm very excited to talk about that episode and so forth. But nevertheless, let's review of Week 12, games that happened last week, starting with the Thursday night football game between the Colts and the Texans, in which, again, I summarized the theme of the game and then explain in detail. So here we go. O'Brien used his old system and win. Not only do you have wide receiver Will Fuller coming back, who's by far their most athletic or their most or their fastest receiver on the team, who is an excellent route runner of his own, but that title belongs to DeAndre Hopkins on the team. He's by far their fastest receiver. He had seven catches for 140 yards receiving. No touchdowns, though, um, but literally 20 yards per catch. That was his average right there, 20 yards per catch. And when I talked about his old system, which is somewhat of, again, preview uh, to the next episode of my Series 1 take, he had Deshaun Watson in the offensive unit being a lot of multiple tight end formations with a quarterback under the center. Of course, there is the standard quick passing attack when th- in third and short or even third and long, like a third and eight where it's a bunch of empty sets and tries to get the ball out as fast as possible. But nevertheless, even in shotgun, there was multiple tight end sets um, in the empty formation. Even with shotgun, multiple tight end sets. um, Or, again, under the center. And this is by far the first time, at least this season, we saw at least from what I've seen, DeAndre Hopkins being under the center a lot. Um, Being able to not only, again, which has been a reliable run game, but letting the running backs or have the running backs be more 
more involved in the run game. Like, they're always involved in the run game, but I'm saying having them have more carries. That was the intent, at least for this game, by Bill O'Brien, who calls the plays, to establish the run, keep Watson in the pocket while also doing play actions, get crossing routes or deep routes in there, try to at least see the defense's man coverage, which the Colts were in man coverage more majority of the time. Uh, there were some plays where they in, were there, they were in zone, but nevertheless, Houston was still able to obtain first downs. But it was it was awesome to see the offense, even though it was a tight ball game, even though it was twenty to seventeen at the end of the game, even though there should have been a review, there was a clear and obvious fumble, but there wasn't an obvious who recovered it scenario. Um but nevertheless, again, great. Uh, I would say it was by far uh, a, a great offensive performance. Again, there wasn't a bunch of points, but rather in terms of the execution, there were times where Houston, in certain drives when he did score, it was it was well well executed. So nevertheless, congrats on Houston winning that game. Also, the Colts were able to dominate. Uh, the Texans run defense, um, I think over 170 yards rushing. But however, part of the reason why they didn't win was the ineffectiveness from the passing game. Like Jacoby Brissett threw barely over 160 yards passing against a very injured Texan secondary. Like if you, if you just run, 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 that's fine. But if you can't really take advantage on play action... To at least be in red zone areas, then or even convert third and short, then it's a waste of a drive. The Colts were barely in the red zone when they when they did pound the ball and when they were able to pass and connect to the receivers successfully, they ended up scoring. But when there's incomplete passes or when it's third and short and you decide to call a play action or even a quick pass play and it ends up being incomplete, then again, it's a it's a waste of a drive. So, again, you can pound, 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 run it so well, but if you can't do the other facet of the game, which is connect on passes, then your offense is almost as though it's inept. Like, it would be a whole different ball game if the Colts ran for 280 yards rushing, but they didn't. They ran for... Over 170 yards rushing, but didn't pass the ball successfully. And then with Houston, again, offensively, they were able to establish a run, but it was definitely not as successful as the Colts. They only ran a, a little over 90 yards rushing in total, um, but they were able to connect on passes deep through play action. And then when they were forced to just pass, they were able to succeed through that. Um, not only through the mobility of Watson, but, you know, when you have receivers like Hopkins and Fuller who can run deep with no problem, um, and then Kenny Stills in the slot, and then having um, Darren Fells, who has become an excellent tight end of the sorts, uh make the most of his catches, then it, again, it's a, it's a very difficult offense to stop. 
Obviously, I've just now gotten eight minutes of talking about this one particular game, but it was very important to talk about, nevertheless. Raiders versus Jets. The Jets' offense is starting to click. Sam Darnold, multiple touchdown passes. Um, had a also, also had a rushing touchdown. They whipped the Raiders 34-3. The Raiders just turned over the ball, got sacked several times. Uh, didn't really establish the run the way they wanted to. Um, and nevertheless, great performance. Jets are now on a three-game winning streak. They're 4-7. and seven. Uh, Their next opponent, I believe, is the... Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bengals. So they could easily be on a four-game winning streak. Uh, yeah, and the Jets, uh, they play the Bengals next week. Uh, and so they can easily be five and seven. Um, but no game's ever easy, really. But, uh, it's a potential. But nevertheless, if the Jets' offense continues to succeed like this, um, or continues to click, uh, there can be some competitive games. Moving on to Giants and Bears, uh, Bears' offense is just terrible. They won 19 to 14 against the Giants. That Bears' defense was the reason why the Bears, as a whole, were able to even win. Trubisky had an opportunity to torch that defense with the weapons he's had, and evidently didn't really succeed. Yes, he threw. Yes, he threw a touchdown pass. Yes, he had a rushing touchdown. Um, another touch. In uh, another touchdown pass, I believe. Um, but also threw two picks. So again, not as efficient as you would like for him to be. Again, you can look at Matt Nagy's play calling too, um, or at least seeing how he coaches Mitchell Trubisky, or seeing you know, hey, put in Chase Daniels if that's the case. Um, but then again, I think I think the Bears don't want a media fire, if you will, or media frenzy. Um, but it's just it's just bad. Now again, the Bears play Lions on Thanksgiving, so they have a potential to get back at five hundred with a six and six record. They're currently at five and six, but it's just it was it, when they play the Vikings again, when they play the Packers again, uh, the offense, the Bears defense is going to do what they can, or at least the best they can. Uh, but you're putting the defense in a bind when they're facing really good offense, and the, if your offense cannot score, cannot help your defense, then it's going to be very difficult to win games, as we saw last week when they played against the Rams. In the previous games they played against. Even the first game when they played against the Packers lost 10 to 3. That offense was just bad. So, yes, they won, but do not take him as a playoff contender. Do not. Broncos versus Bills. Uh, Bills getting closer to a playoff spot. Their defense has been dominant as always uh, throughout the year. Uh, the Bills offense is getting closer and closer to click. Their running game is excellent. Uh, Josh Allen, in the past six games, has thrown 11 touchdown passes, but he's only thrown one interception as well. And they 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 won 20 to three. So really, it's by the dominance of the defense that the Bills were able to at least get more possessions in the Broncos' offense to at least be able to have more opportunities to score. But that Bills' defense is ferocious, um, and I look forward for them. To not only play against the Cowboys offense, but also 
the following week play against the Ravens. But nevertheless, Bills getting closer and closer to the playoff spot. Steelers versus Bengals. Duck Hodges to the rescue. Mason Rudolph played like absolute ass against the Bengals through a couple picks. And then Duck Hodges comes in, throws a touchdown pass to James Washington, and the Steelers ended up winning 16-10. And while they do play the Browns this week, and while Duck Hodges does start, um, they barely beat the Bengals. It's a Steelers have a better overall roster compared to the Bengals, and they barely won. So at this point, yes, each week is different, but you get to a point where you get closer and closer to, to, to the playoff picture, or at least when it finally finishes, and the way you performed against a winless team, it's not not encouraging. So I wouldn't consider them in the playoffs either. Dolphins versus Browns. A potential Browns offensive identity came through. So Browns dominated 41 to 21. However, um, we saw what could be their Browns offensive identity where they ran the ball, but the way they ran a ball was a lot of multiple tight end sets with the zone scheme, some power plays too, some gap plays, but mostly zone scheme, mostly outside zone or inside zone. And then play action. Making sure you give extra protection or at least extra time for Baker Mayfield. Has a defense focus on Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt and fight a wide open Odell Beckham Jr. or find a wide open Jarvis Landry or other targets that are involved. And Baker Mayfield by far had his best game. Yes, he did throw a pick, but he threw three touchdown passes. And I believe over 300 yards. So this is by far this season, even though it's against a terrible team thus far this season, um, it's a great team win for them. This is a potential offensive identity of what they could do, but we'll have to see how everything goes for the rest of the season. Lions versus Redskins. Uh, Redskins snap losing streak of four. They won 19-16. I have nothing to say there, really. Seahawks versus Eagles. Eagles offense is terrible. It really is. You can make an even comparison to the Saints offense where there's no vertical threat, where they rely on the running game, and then short passing or even intermediate routes and complete those. But the difference between the Saints offense is the Eagles offense is consistency. And then it also helps when you have a number one receiver right now in receptions and yards in Michael Thomas. But you also have consistent weapons. Jared Cook, even though he's old as a tight end in his age, is efficient and effective. So there's effective weapons that the Saints have. The Eagles do not have effective weapons. They have Zach Ertz and that's it. I thought this season that Alshon Jeffrey would be an effective weapon, and he's not. I thought Nelson Aguilar would be an effective weapon, and he's not. They don't have a vertical threat, so their only chance is basically pound the ball in Zach Kurtz and Carson Wentz scrambling. Carson Wentz can do the best he can with what he's got, but it's when you throw a beautiful ball at times and a receiver doesn't grab it, it sucks. 
But then you can you can also blame on Carson Wentz for his performance. There are some times or some plays where he held on the ball too long, and there are some plays where he tried to make a throw with his uh, he tried to make a throw in a tight window and ended up being picked off. So this Eagles offense, even though the, their record is five and six, it's bad. Like the Bears, it's terrible. So it's going to be really hard, even though you look at their schedule and kind of lightens up, if you will. No game, I would argue, is ever easy. Uh, but nevertheless, the Eagles offense is terrible. And so it's going to be very difficult for even, for even me to imagine the Eagles being a, having a winning record at the end of the year if their offense continues to be inept. Buccaneers versus Falcons, despite turnovers, you know, Bucks still win. You know what's fascinating, despite the Buccaneers being 4-7, and seven, that they have by far one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. They have good backs, a good O-line. Their pass rush defensively is phenomenal. Their secondary is inconsistent, of course, but nevertheless, their pass rush, again, is phenomenal. The run defense is, is average. They do force turnovers. They're average when it comes to forcing third down, or, or at least... Forcing fourth downs when it comes to being on third down. But yet, despite all that, Jameis Winston still turnovers the ball. Still makes stupid ass decisions. And he's been in the league since 2015. But yet, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are pulling out of their ass, if you will, to even catch these stupid... Or even inaccurate throws from Jameis Winston. So despite all the talent they have. Despite having Bruce Arians as their head coach. Who has constructed this offense. Really at the end of the year. Once once the season is over. They'll cut Jameis Winston. They will. And the Falcons. They, not do, they did not do well defensively. Despite. You know capitalizing their turnovers. They still allow big plays. And you know the Falcons. We're playing from behind, of course, as I just said. I mean, couldn't really connect or at least be able to do well in the passing game, whether pass protection, whether it's catching the pass, whether it's identifying what the coverage is. Uh, they did not play well. Like, as, as it's been the theme of the year, when they play from behind, they struggle. Yes, there's been some games where it's been competitive and where they do take the lead or where they try to tie in and they fail to do so. But nevertheless, it's uh, when they play from behind, um, it's it's terrible. Panthers versus Saints. Saints overcame penalties in this win. Saints were penalized 13 times. Panthers only penalized three. The Saints um, had a turnover. I mean, so did the Panthers, I believe. But the Saints didn't really convert all their third downs. The Panthers did. The Saints didn't have time to position in their favor. Favor. The Panthers did. The Panthers were at the six-yard line, I believe, attempting this field goal. And it was missed. There was a penalty where it should have been called leaping, but... The referees were focused to see if there's a special team slash defensive hold in which there wasn't in their conclusion. And once it was a missed field goal, 
Drew Brees, clutch as always, marches down the field with the Saints and makes it and helps uh be helps Will Lutz in the special teams unit get in field goal range to win 34 to 31. They were able to at least hit some vertical throws, especially when it came to the red zone and scored some points. They ran the ball effectively. They connect on their intermediate throws, of course, via play action. But nevertheless, the Panthers should have won that game. That defense was on their heels. The Panthers defensively did everything they can to slow down the Saints offense. But through penalties and through time of possession, the Panthers should have won. But special team miscues and then not holding the Saints at the end of the drive, at the end of the game, ended up being their downfalls. The Panthers are now currently on a four-game losing streak. Well, the Saints have an opportunity this Thursday, if they win, uh, to claim the division. So, as well as having the Panthers lose, if they if the Panthers lose. Jaguars versus Titans. Dominate performances by Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. They had multiple touchdowns. Derrick Henry had multiple rushing touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill had multiple touchdowns through the air and on the ground. Ryan Tannehill um, had over uh, or at least nearly 300 yards passing. He's by far been the most effective quarterback. Ryan Tannehill has been by far the most effective quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Um, and they ended up winning, I believe, 42 to 20 and just dominated the Jaguars defense. So congrats on the Titans winning that. Cowboys versus Patriots. Bill Belichick owned the Cowboys, even though it was 13 9. Even though the Cowboys held an opportunity to march down the field and score, they didn't because there's a guy in a hoodie named Bill Belichick who basically outcoached Jason Garrett. You knew that was the expectation. One coach has six Super Bowls. The other has none as a coach. One coach is six and five. The other, ten and one. So, it just goes to show you that even though it was low scoring the game, even though there were some inconsistent offensive plays, or offensive execution. And yes, there are special team miscues. And yes, there's even some defensive miscues. And yes, there are some penalties that shouldn't have been called. But at the end of the day, the Cowboys, through head coach Jason Carrot, and through um, offense coordinator Kayla Moore, and through defense coordinator Rob Marielli, did not succeed against the Bill Belichick squad. Did not succeed against Bill Belichick. So, for anyone that thought that um, that the Cowboys could win this, evidently you're mistaken. Now, granted, I do think the Cowboys will win the division at the end of the year, but we'll have to see how the season goes. But it's the Patriots at their own stadium. It is so difficult to win there. And the Patriots had a defensive personnel to match up well against the Cowboys' offensive personnel. And Amari Cooper didn't have a single catch. And that is by far the Cowboys' best offensive weapon. Now, granted, they could have ran the ball more with Zeke. 
There was some rushing yards there that were being gained. It was just basically cheeking the armor, if you will, against the Patriots defense. I imagine the Patriots would have been able to adjust from there. But it is by far impressive to see Stephon Gilmore just shut down Amari Cooper. If you can have one corner just man up and shut down a receiver, it is by far such an advantage for your defense. That way, you can have 10 other defensive players focus on other tasks and not have to worry about double Amari Cooper. Not having to worry about a certain situation where, oh, what if Amari Cooper lines up this way? Because you know who's got it, Stephon Gilmore. So, congrats to the Patriots winning that. Packers versus 49ers. The 49ers smacked the Packers 37-8. Kyle Shanahan basically knew his system more than Matt LaFleur, right? Like, as I talked about in my previous episode when previewing this game, it was a master versus the student. Matt LaFleur worked under Kyle Shanahan and worked with Kyle Shanahan and learned the zone scheme or the zone scheme mechanics, if you will. Or even just anything within the zone scheme. And even though Matt LaFleur has trickled in his own or at least put in his own spin with his zone with his own spin in his zone scheme using multiple running backs style shotgun and getting the running backs involved in a passing game and using multiple one back sets to run inside zone and outside zones, it just goes to show you that Kyle Shanahan has been more involved in his zone scheme, knows how to adjust against defensive fronts, and really, they just ran the ball successfully against the Packers defense because Packers defense has one of the worst run defense in the NFL right now. And couldn't they did not stop the run, which enabled the play action, which George Kittle almost had 200 yards receiving, which is fucking ridiculous because he's a beast. Coming from a, a, a knee injury. Which, when you establish the run and be able to complete play action passes, it makes your offense nearly impossible to stop. And as with the Packers offense, it never got to sink. Granted, the 49ers defense is dominant. But when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you would think that he would still be in the game. When you have running backs like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and receivers like Devontae Adams, um, and then Jimmy Graham is your tight end, and a good receiving core, you would think that you'd still be in the game. And excellent, you know, an excellent O-line is by having an injured uh, right tackle, you would still think you would be in the game. But evidently that was not the case. Madeline Ford did his best to adjust and evidently didn't succeed. And so the Packers got smacked by the 49ers. And last but definitely not least, another team that got smacked, the fucking LA Rams. They got smacked by the Ravens 45 to 6. Rams couldn't run. The Rams didn't pass the ball successfully. The Rams couldn't stop the run. The Rams couldn't get to Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson threw five touchdown passes. To pad his stats, if you will, and, in, and make the argument in his favor for winning the MVP this year. But it's just another dominating performance by the Ravens. Now it's time to preview for Week 13. Starting with the Bears versus Lions. A defensive battle. Both offenses are trash, of course. But it's going to be which defense performs well. And I do think the Bears have a better defense. 
Bills versus Cowboys. Uh, one of the things to look into is if the Bills will throw the ball a lot. Now, granted, the Cowboys have an average run defense, but that's the strength of their defense. Their secondary is terrible. The pass rush is non-existent. They rely on Demarcus Lawrence a lot, and he cannot always get to the quarterback. And Josh Allen is a athlete in his own right, and a giant, and a big QB at six six, over two thirty, and he's an athlete, and he has a strong arm. So, yes, they only have one vertical threat in John Brown, and they have a consistent, reliable Cole Beasley. So they don't have a vast amount of like vertical or speed receivers, if you will, but they have an excellent route runner and at least one vertical threat. So look for them to throw the ball a lot. And as for Cowboys offense, look for them to at least run the ball against the Bills defense. If they're going pass heavy, they're going to be asking a lot of their Cowboys O-line to protect because that Bills pass rush is phenomenal. Saints versus Falcons. Uh, look for rushing attacks by both teams. Look for them to establish a run early on and then maintain the lead from there. Uh, now, granted, two weeks ago, the Falcons pass rush. They sacked Drew Brees six times. And there was no pass rush from the Saints defense. I'm not saying it's going to be a vice versa, but I am going to say that look for rushing attacks by both teams and see not only which team establishes run, but again, which team is more effective in the play action. Now, we know the Saints can stretch the field vertically. Or not the Saints, but the Falcons can stretch the field vertically. And we know the Saints are not really effective when it comes to stretching the field vertically. But they are effective when it comes to throwing crossing routes and intermediate routes. So, again, look for rushing attacks. Uh, Titans versus Colts. Who passes better? Ryan Tannehill has been on fire as of late. He's going against an average Colts defense. Jacoby Brissett has an opportunity to rebound and attack the Titans secondary um, with a ground game that's pretty good. So, again, which QB plays better? And if Ryan Tannehill outplays, I do believe the Titans will win this game. 49ers versus Rams. I'm not Rams, Ravens. Uh, the 49ers defense versus Lamar Jackson. Uh, now, granted... Lamar Jackson has succeeded in any defense that he's played against. But then again, the 49ers are a young defense. If they can establish or at least be able to establish and hold on to their gaps and stop the run, they do have an opportunity to call blitzes. They have an opportunity for their pass rush to get to Lamar Jackson. Now, there may be thoughts of saying, well, they played an excellent defense a couple weeks ago against the Patriots and you just mowed them down by just running the ball a lot. Which, yes, that's true. However, one defense, I mean, both defenses can stop the run. I do believe the 49ers can do that, but there's a huge difference between them and it's pass rusher. Matter of fact, 49ers have several pass rushers. So I believe this is this is an actual challenge for the Ravens offense. It really is. Now, granted, they play the Rams, and granted, the Rams have Aaron Donald, <clears throat> Aaron Donald, but they didn't stop the run, so it, it didn't matter. Um, 
but look for that to occur. I do think this is going to be a phenomenal game. Jets versus Bengals. Um, Sam Darnold's dominance. I do believe the Bengals will go 0-11. I do believe Sam Darnold will have the Jets go at 5-7. <clears throat> Browns versus Steelers. Duck Hodges against the Browns defense. We'll see how he does with the run game that he's got in his own right with some targets that he can throw to. Uh, the last time the Steelers and Browns played, the Steeler, uh, the Browns defense outplayed the Steelers offense, not only by shutting down the run, but forcing turnovers. On the other side of the ball, you can argue, you can also look at as though the Browns offensive identity against the Steelers defense, if the Browns stick to the offensive identity, or at least the game plan they establish against the Dolphins, even though that's two completely different uh, defensive systems, and defensive personnel and defensive players, um, that personnel, or at least that offensive identity for the Browns, that game definitely helped out Baker Mayfield. So look for that. Eagles versus Dolphins. This could be another loss for the Eagles. Uh, now the Dolphins, I they're terrible in their own right by being 2-9 on the year, but this could be a terrible... This could be a loss for the Eagles just based on having no vertical threat and no consistent offensive weapons. However, if the Dolphins cannot double or even triple team successfully against Zach Ertz, that would be one way the, the Eagles can definitely succeed in their own right when this game is through Zach Ertz. <clears throat> Redskins versus Panthers. Yes, the Panthers on a four-game losing streak, but look for them to just pound the ball and give it to Christian McCaffrey. I do think the Panthers will win this. Giants versus Packers. Packers run defense in the play of Aaron Rodgers. This is a rebound game for Aaron Rodgers going against a weak Giants defense. Also, look for the Packers run defense to at least hold their own right against the Giants rushing offense which is one of the worst in the league, but they have Shaquan Barkley. So if they can stop Shaquan and keep Daniel Jones in the pocket, then they might succeed in their own right. But it, also, if Aaron Rodgers plays well, I do think the Packers can score a bunch of points and not have to worry about you know, staying late in the game and hoping their defense forces their turnover. Bucks versus Jags, who takes care of the ball. That's the key to this game. Jameis Winston has been turning over the ball in every game this year. But the Jaguars have turned over the ball in three in four straight games. So it really is who takes care of the ball. And if who takes care of the ball will definitely succeed in their own right. Rams versus Cardinals. Rams offense to bounce back. I think that's key. They're going against a 30th ranked defense in total yards and points per game. And they're not even in the ranked 30th in forcing turnovers. So this can be a game where the Rams can just pound the ball through gap plays with Todd Gurley and not have to worry about passing the ball a lot. Even though I do think they have targets to throw to. Raiders versus Chiefs. Um, Chiefs run defense. If they can stop the run, 
which has been the theme of the year for the Chiefs' run defense, which has been terrible against the run. But if they can stop it and at least be able to put their pass rushers in the best possible scenario of getting after Derek Carr and have their offense on the field as much as possible, the Chiefs will win this game. Chargers versus Broncos, it's going to be Phillip Rivers' turnovers. It depends if Phillip Rivers can take care of the ball. If he can, I do think the Chargers will win. Patriots versus Texans, similar systems, but will wide receiver Will Fuller make a difference? This is the first game under a Bill O'Brien era, <clears throat> as well as the Sean Watson era. Facing the Patriots, well, Will Fuller will play this game. So the Patriots will have to account for Will Fuller's speed. I think the Patriots have to count for uh, looking at their own system, old system playing against them. I do think Bill O'Brien, even though he'll call some read options, I do think he wants to at least establish a run and get the running backs involved as much as possible to set up the play actions. And then, of course, get the ball out quick as much as possible. So, uh, look for them to attack vertically against the Patriots' defense by also not only protecting their QB by play-action passes and at least having the defense focus on the run, but also, again, getting Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins involved and buying time for Watson or getting Watson out of the pocket on bootlegs and take advantage of not only his mobility, but also stretching the the Patriots' defense horizontally, which is not something the Patriots want to be uh, involved in. Last but definitely not least, the Vikings versus the Seahawks. It's going to be a Kirk Cousins versus Russell Wilson. I do think Kirk Cousins should be an MVP conversation. If he definitely outplays Wilson and helps the Vikings win, I do think that propels him to being the MVP conversation. But that's it for today's episode. Again, I will release, I will release uh, episode 5 of One Take, talking about Bill O'Brien's old offensive system and new offensive system. Um, so I'll release that again tomorrow. But thank you so much for listening, whether it's in the morning. Hope you're having a good morning. Whether it's in the afternoon, hopefully your day is going well. If it's at night, hopefully you'll be able to get some rest for the next day. But nevertheless, thank you so much for listening, and have a kick-ass day.